Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. Every week, we talk with top senior executives to get their advice on positively impacting frontline employees, companies, and customers. On today's episode, Fried Food and Family, I talk to Josh Bickford, EVP of Strategic Initiatives and fourth generation owner of Clyde's Donuts, a 102-year-old donut manufacturer in Chicagoland. Josh talks about the family legacy and fun culture of Clyde's, creatively involving the front lines in ideation, how he wants to be an enabler for frontline employees, the joy of making a product that brings families together, and so much more. Don't go anywhere. The Frontline Industry Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. My name is Joel, and I'm joined today with a good friend of mine out of the Chicago area. He is fourth generation at Clyde's Donuts, uh, an amazing donut manufacturer in the uh, in the region of, of Chicago, and uh, been their plant. It's an amazing place, colorful, exciting as you might imagine a donut manufacturer should and and could be. Um, but uh, Josh is the EVP of Strategic Initiatives. Is that correct? That's correct. There you go. I got it right. And uh, he is uh, going to tell us all about what that means, the history of Clyde's, and all the things he's passionate about. Josh, welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. Oh, thanks, Joel. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, me too. So tell me, uh, tell all of us about the history of Clyde's. You guys have been around a long time. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, fourth generation, very impressive. Uh, one of the few fourth generation businesses I've ever come across. Uh, tell us all about that. I appreciate that. Yes, this year we're actually celebrating our 102nd year uh, in business, all out of Chicagoland. Uh, we actually started in Chicago in 1920, and it was my great-grandfather uh, who ultimately bought the business in 1920, and uh, we've grown it ever since. My grandfather had it for a number of years, and then my uncle and my father have been running the business for a while, and I am very excited to represent the fourth generation. Still family-owned and uh, definitely daily managed. <laughs> yeah, and you're in the office all the time, and you are hands-on on the shop floor. You're hands-on with your people all over the place. You have a very open office concept there as well, if I remember right. Um, so it seems like you guys really have a family atmosphere that extends beyond the actual biological family uh, and into the rest of the workforce. Yeah, we do. And, I, and I'm really appreciative that all the feedback we continue to receive, especially for how the um, all of our employees and team members here refer, uh, reference the Bickfords, uh, is that we treat it like a family and they feel like family. And so we're really, really thankful for that. You guys are growing uh, leaps and bounds. It's been many years since I've been in your facility, but I remember even then you guys were experiencing a lot of growth. And, and now you're Moving into a second facility, I believe. Uh, do you call it 85 West? Is that what it is? Where, where is that location? We do. We're still keeping this as Clyde's HQ. Uh, we've been here since 1990. We moved out of the city of Chicago to Addison. Uh, but now we are opening up a second facility uh, right nearby in Glendale Heights, Illinois, uh, calling it 85 West. Are you guys doing different products there than you would be doing at your HQ? Or is it kind of a continuation of spillover of uh, stuff you just can't handle as far as volume goes? It's both. I mean, thankfully, people love donuts. I haven't really met too many people that are angry at donuts. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a combination of adding capacity for existing products, but in addition to which, as we've grown, we want to get into new and exciting uh, changes. And this uh, building or this uh, new location will give us the opportunity to add new types of uh, equipment and things as well. Well, let's talk about that. You know, exciting new things uh, always sparks interest in me, especially when it comes to donuts, because, you know, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, we're, we're, we're not making 
iPhones or technology here, you know, and, and so pushing the envelope of exciting new things uh, is, is something that, you know, is very interesting and in how it manifests itself in different businesses. So what's exciting and new that you can share publicly mm-hmm. <laughs> on this podcast that you guys are trying to think of when it comes to innovation and technology or, or staying relevant in, in a world that's kind of moving towards the, the health and superfoods kind of uh, categories? Absolutely. In snacks and food, as we all know, uh, they're very much an indulgent category. And at least in my perspective, it can sometimes be broken out into your tried and true, like glazed donuts, uh, you know, the Krispy Kreme style glazed donut that everybody enjoys. And those types of things which we make go on for decades. Uh, everybody loves to eat that style of donut. Uh, but of course, we we um, have to react to a lot of different trends in the micro, uh, marketplace, a lot of the healthier eating trends. Um, and some of the clean label trends. So as far as innovation goes, you know, we're making a lot of small iterative steps to make a donut better for you. But at the end of the day, um, most of the time when people decide that they want to reach for and grab a donut, they want the best tasting donut possible. So we have to have a nice balance. Well, listen, I, I can tell you right now, um, uh, the last thing I want is a mouthful of kale and then when I'm biting into <laughs> a uh, into a donut. And, so, you know, there's, uh, there's segments where that makes sense. And definitely, you know, I subscribe to the better for you. If there's an opportunity for us to use cleaner label ingredients, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, that, of course, we have to balance that with still something that tastes delicious and doesn't end up just tasting like cardboard. It, it's still got to be a treat, that's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, as you look at the... The, 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 the forecast ahead, and you also hold in, uh, in the other hand, the history, the rich history that you've come from, your fourth generation, people are going to rely on you to carry on this legacy all the way back to, you know, Grandpa B, I think, is, or Mr. Bill, uh, or Grandpa Bill, yeah. or Mr. B, I, I put those together. Mr. Bill, uh, your grandpa. Exactly. Um, it, what's a legacy that you reflect on, then, that he has left behind that you're just kind of eager to carry on with you uh, as the business continues to move forward. Absolutely. I mean, every generation here has had a a different perspective or a different uh, opportunity to follow in the footsteps of the previous generations. Mm. Um, Grandpa, uh, I always called him Grandpa, but here in the office, you were right. We call him Mr. B all the time. And he left uh, a legacy of just loving people and caring for people. He, uh, he loved his employees. He worked hard with them and, um, everybody who would ha- come up to him and have a question or have a need, he would work with them, um, all by his own. And so towards the end later years, when he would just come into the office and the third generation had been managing and running the business, uh, and I was brought on board. It was so fun because I would come in and just watch just streams of people go into his office and just sit down and have a conversation with him. And then they'd, they'd all take turns. And that was his happy place. He really just enjoyed those relationships. Um, so, so keeping that family connection, keeping that, uh, you know, just that care and concern for our workers and our people is really the top of our priority every generation. It shouldn't be new information that truly loving and caring for other people has a ripple effect in how they perform and how they feel connected to a business or any relationship that they're in. How does that translate then into your passion for building high-performance teams? Because I know you are, and as someone who's head of strategic initiatives and all those things, I would imagine that the secret to success in a lot of those initiatives comes down to the rallying of people around a direction or a cause that you're 
that you're trying to, to achieve. How does that spill over in, in that world for you? Yeah, I mean, I feel we have a very strong leadership team. And so a few years ago, uh, we determined that we wanted to kind of uh, refocus and re-energize um, the organization. And a lot of times, as you can imagine, that means change. And so there are a lot of different things that we need to improve and change upon over the years. And, and I think what was really exciting about this generation or this level of change is that if you look back at our company's history, one thing that has made us special from decade to decade is we don't subscribe or we try not to subscribe to the 100-year rule. Well, we've done it that way for 100 years, so why question it? Hmm. And I think as we've evolved as an organization, it's been very important for us to just question some of the processes and procedures that we've had in place for decades, if only to continue to optimize and um, you know continue to get better at what we do. We have a uh, we have a great uh, project going on right now, which is you know optimizing our existing products that we've made for you know, hundreds of years and even just tweaking formulas to continue to make it even a higher quality product as we go along. We don't want to lose sight and just get comfortable with what we're doing or what we've been doing for decades before. When it comes to ideation, I think you were telling me before that sometimes the the donuts that you bring to market, the new products are ideas that even your frontline employees have brought to you. Is that true? Yeah, we try to do so often. Um, internally, we've had some donut making competitions where employees will submit like their greatest ideas for donuts. Uh, it helps for our R&D pipeline, but it's also a lot of fun. And then for Employee Appreciation Week, we'll make a whole series of donuts out on the line. Um, so we've made all types of crazy concepts. Um, I think, what did we make? We made uh, a really good like Malibu rum donut one time. Whoa. And then, of course, it's, it's really my dream to get the sales team supercharged uh, and go out and find the uh, customer for it. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, there's a number of different ways that we do creative things. And definitely the people uh, in our operations that come up with the ideas and have preferences themselves is really exciting uh, to share. I don't think it's stepping on toes for a friend of mine who might be listening. So sorry, buddy, if it is. Um, he runs a a, a whiskey-infused cookie business. Nice. Nice. And uh, he's found a lot of success in, you know, working with, as you might imagine, liquor stores and bars and other things for, for, for that. It'd be really interesting to have a liquor-infused donut. Yeah. Um, we've, we've run across a couple companies that have done a good job of, uh, of creating that co-branding relationship. That's not a core competency for us, but it's just an idea of something that we want to do for fun, um, you know, and just to stay innovative in the, in the marketplace. Most yeah, of the ideas, most of the, most of those ideas don't take flight because you really gotta, you gotta go out and find the right customer for it. That, that is a niche audience. I mean, I, I suppose when I'm bringing my uh, high proof bourbon home, the last thing I'm thinking about is go grab a donut uh, or exactly. vice versa. If I'm eating a donut, it's probably not the right time of day to have a bourbon either. But <laughs> exactly. So as you are grabbing these ideas from the front lines and and engaging them, you, you've had a lot of most of your career in this environment of frontline teams and 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 creating a culture that's vibrant and successful. If you were to go back in time and talk to younger Josh, what's something that you would have told him? Don't do this. It's never going to work out the way you want it to, even though it sounds right. 
You know, I think I'm, I'm very blessed and lucky in how I was able to join the family business. And I think one of the things that made my experience the most successful was being able to have exposure to so many different things in the organization. I brought on a technology, I was brought on in on the technology side, um, but I immediately got working on operations projects and improvement projects and got to work with the freezer team and got to work with the operations team. Uh, out on the uh, packaging area and implementing new technologies there. And so I got to see firsthand how they reacted and interacted with the manufacturing process. And so I think, you know, I don't have a, a negative or something I wouldn't do so much as being able to get those experiences on the front line really helped me understand the challenges that we face. And I think when you reference this high performing teams concept, what I really mean to say by that is I feel like an enabler. Like I want to, of course, be a leader for the organization and the directionally where the organization is going. But I think some of the most successful things that uh, we've brought to the organization have given the tools and enabled the frontline workers to do their jobs more effectively. And so a lot of times I'm a, I feel very, um, honored to just be able to listen to challenges and help come up with solutions around them. Because at the end of the day, it's that person who's dealing with that challenge or working on the front line every day that comes up with the solution uh, or knows a better way to do it than somebody who's, you know, removed or working on other, uh, other projects. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the right way to look back at it and not frame it in the negative, right? Uh, to look at things that we would do again or things that we would do even better than last time. The only one that I do tell at happy hour is that if I would have known that I was going to work for the family business, I would have had a lot more fun in college. So. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we don't need to put that one on the podcast. <laughs> I think it's going to go right in the podcast. <laughs> With being really a fun company. I mean, Clyde's is a fun company, right? And I, I don't say that just because I know you, but I mean, I can just tell from, the way you treat your people, having been in your facility, the way they light up when you walk by or any leader walks by. I mean, it's a healthy environment. Do you find that that is an asset to you when it comes to this current challenge of you know, finding people, the labor market, retaining people? Um, you know, if I have my options, you know, and, and sorry to my, my, my relationships in the meat industry right now who might be listening, but it's a little more fun to make a, a tasty donut. It smells a lot better making a tasty donut than it does, you know, chopping up meat in a facility somewhere where it's cold and, and, and you know, stinky. Does that help you guys at all with that, that sort of company that you're running now? Absolutely. Um, I think, unfortunately, there's always areas for improvement. And even though I appreciate your perspective is that we are an, a fun organization, I always look at it with a critical eye and hope that we can continue to celebrate that, that fun and that joy in our organization. Because at the end of the day, when we recruit or we hire people, we do go out and, and say, look, this is a fun company. You're making a fun product. And I think that there's a lot of pride in that. I know, especially from our frontline workers and our office personnel as well, that um, when somebody texts you and says, hey, I see Clyde's Donuts at the store, they get a lot of excitement and joy out of that. And so the more we can leverage that, the better. I think that's something that we definitely are always looking to improve and celebrate. And now that I have kids myself, that has shifted my perspective just in the past couple of years because seeing it through their eyes, I mean, they're just amazed that we make donuts. Like how fun are donuts? 
And, uh, and so it takes, it, it adds a little spark of joy to the other business aspect of manufacturing and food manufacturing um, to be really proud of the product that you're making. So does it help us uh, recruit and retain? I think so. I think that's another opportunity for us to continue to improve as well. I'm shocked, Josh. Uh, you're a pretty fit guy. Um, I am shocked that you're not 400 pounds uh, working that facility because having those donuts everywhere is a massive temptation. I remember being in your your conference room and you guys just made a whole batch of different donuts and you shoved them in front of me. Um, and of yeah. course, I was, I was there to work with you, so I felt compelled to eat them anyway. But I, but I, as soon as I had one, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would be eating these all day, every day. I want to, I want to tell a story, Josh, and sure. you, know, you know exactly the story I'm going to tell. But it highlight as soon as I say it, but it highlights just how fun and uh, lighthearted you guys are. I've never had an experience like this in any other organization I've I've worked with, and uh, I remember our first meeting, and, and I had done my research uh, on on everyone in that room, and I remember. I, at one point, I think it might have been a quality manager or somebody said, boy, you really did, you really know everything about us, don't you? And I was like, well, yeah, it's kind of part of the job. I, I got to make sure I understand what I'm walking into. Fast forward to <laughs> being with you guys the next time. And I remember we finished up a two-day meeting together and I was walking out the door and you're like, actually, hold on, Joel, before you leave. <laughs> now you know where I'm going. I got exactly. our VP of ops has something he wants to talk to you about. I went, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, it felt very sobering. Like what, what some go wrong or they'd say something that was out of line. And I remember you guys both brought me back to this back room and you shut the door he said, Joel, why don't you have a seat? I'm like, oh my gosh, what'd I do? And you found out that we do our research too. <laughs> I found out that you do research too. And, uh, and you literally said that you went, uh, well, Nero, uh, your VP of ops says, you know, you did a lot of research on us last time, and we want to let you know that we researched you a bit, too, and proceeded to uh, unveil that you'd found some antiquated old YouTube video of me that that I'm sure now everyone listening will probably go find, too, and I've just shot myself in the foot. It was one of the funniest moments, because I remember the juxtaposition between, oh my gosh, did something go wrong? And then this moment of, all right, we're, we're all in this together. We're all, we're all friends here. But I, 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 we, we, we finished watching this very embarrassing video of me. And I was about to stand up. I'm like, okay, ha, ha, ha. My face is, I'm sure, bright red. And, uh, we, and, I, and you stopped me. And you said, when you, I want you to know that when, when you walk out that door, people are probably going to want to know, want to show you that they know that you saw this video uh, with us. I, I was like, oh, okay. And you stopped me again. You're like, I don't think you understand. Everyone has seen this video. <laughs> And I'm not sure how widespread and true that was. I remember going, oh, my gosh, what am I walking into? And the door opens, and, and like, gophers at those whack-a-mole things at the state fair, these heads start popping up from uh, from cubicles looking at me square. Everyone, yeah. No, that, that brought a lot of joy to our uh, team, for sure, being able to send the link around for a while. Oh, good. I'm so glad I could bring joy to your, your company. Anyway, but that just it highlights the kind of people you are, right? I mean, that's never happened before. It's never happened since. That You're just a good folks and a joy to work with. And for anyone listening who, you know, who, who is interested in, in learning more about Clyde's, I mean, what would – what would you say is the, the best part for any you know uh, employee who's looking to start in the front lines or anyone who's looking to join a leadership team? Uh, just like you've described, I mean, we we feel 
very much like a team and a family culture. Now, of course, we're trying to bring in structure and process and accountability like any organization. But at the end of the day, especially with uh, the vision or the teamwork behind the leadership team, we're all striving towards the same goals. And we really are uh, working together and um, we challenge each other effectively. But otherwise, it tends to be a very healthy place to work. Uh, I mean, that that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the future then, let's, let's pivot on this in the, in the last few moments we've got. You know, thinking about the future, what is the future of the donut? You know, what is the future of Clyde's? You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine a world where my, my favorite donuts, you know, the old-fashioned glazed. Perfect. Go, yes. I mean, they're so good. I can't imagine a world where that goes away and no one wants it anymore. But, you know, you're, you're fourth generation now. My goodness. Donuts that you're making now wouldn't have even be, been thought of you know, 102 years ago when you started, they weren't even on the radar. Are you pushing, what kind of pushing the envelope or forecasting of, of, of of Clyde's are you kind of considering as you think about one day, you know, transitioning to the fifth generation? Absolutely. But that was one of the things that we focused on over our hundred years. Uh, In retrospect, we have not been afraid of change. We've definitely adjusted and uh, pivoted based on the industry, based on and other factors out there, uh, based on preference, taste changes. And one of the things that I always get really excited about is when you think about people in our generation who enjoy donuts, I would venture to say that a majority of them had a great donut experience as a kid. Mm. And, you know, when as a family company and with sprinkles and a fun product, we continue to want to celebrate kind of that family donut sharing uh, aspect and the excitement that goes around a Saturday morning where a dad brings his daughter to a donut shop and they share, you know, share a donut. So I'm very optimistic that donuts are not going away. So how do we continue to support that and harness that? I mean, it comes up with really things that are exciting, eye-catching, supporting our retail grocers and our other industry food service uh, customers with really innovative ideas. Um, It's an indulgent, impulsive item. We want it to be fun. So we got to continue to innovate and make fun donut products for hopefully every generation there on. You're talking at my heartstrings because my some of my favorite memories of being a dad with young kids, and I got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. But you know, looking back to even my son being two, uh, and I've carried this on. One of our great bonding moments of father and child have have consistently revolved around donuts. Well, I have no shame in being a donut pusher. So I am thankful that now I understand my dad and now I am the donut dad in the neighborhood who brings home donuts and passes them out to all the neighbors. And, uh, and so hopefully I'm getting all of them hooked as well. (laughs) Oh, I I hope so. Because, you know, my, my son, you know, it's nine, it's seven years later since he and I started doing, you know, donut dad dates on, on Saturday morning. That's a great that's a great uh, cadence to have. That sounds wonderful. And I, you know what's interesting is uh, I'm very thankful to hear that there's a lot of those relationships that have been built mm-hmm. on, hey, I've got to run errands. Let's pick up a donut. Or, And that's why I'm very positive and optimistic on donuts as a whole. And, of course, Clyde's should be in there as uh, one of those innovators uh, providing that product. Well, Josh, it's it's been a blast. I, I guess the last question I ask is always the same one. And 
I forgot it, so now I have yeah, to. Yeah, you know what's coming it. now, um, <laughs> and and you know, and I haven't prepped you on it, and uh, and I always like it that way because it's always more authentic. But take your time and answer it uh, any way you want. But what's something that you believe that everyone else believes to would make the world a better place? I think there's an aspect of the old adage uh, to treat others how you would like to be treated and to treat others with kindness and respect. And I think when we talk about our interactions here at the donut company, it's focusing on trying to understand the other person, treat them with kindness and work together for a mutual solution. And I think that goes a long way, whether it's in work or at home or others. I think there's naturally conflict in the world. And being able to have a a respectful, kind conversation with others, I think, is uh, is something that if we all did, the world would definitely be a better place. That's a great piece of advice. It reminds me of many episodes again, J.J. Cutler. Um, I think the title of the episode was like bias in the workplace or something like that. But one of the things he's very passionate about is, uh, as a partner at Hydric and struggles is, is, is identifying executives who are, are a great fit in, in driving obviously strong company growth and culture change and things like that. And his answer, I think it was, it wasn't exactly this question. I don't think, but it was in relation to what we just talked about, uh, or what you just brought up was one of the, the key elements of, of leadership competency, if he's going to boil everything down, like screw the resume, you know, great. You performed well. Everyone we're talking to you should have performed well. The key thing he's looking for of an executive and hiring them to, or, or finding them a great job somewhere is do they have emotional intelligence and empathy? I think those are the things he talked about. Yeah, empathy is a good way to put it. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying is like, can I put myself as a leader in this person's shoes? Can I think about how this is coming across to their ears for the first time when I may have had weeks or days to think about how I'm going to talk about it, but now they're hearing it now for the first time. How is this going to be received? It's a great piece of advice, Josh. And I know just from the time we've known each other that I'm sure you do that maybe not as much as you, as well as you wish because you're a humble guy, but you do it well. And, and no, I appreciate I, that. But obviously that's something that you never perfect, right? right? There's always, there's always room for improvement, but I think as long as you're focused on um, working together uh, and not working apart, then, you have a better chance. I uh, couldn't agree more. Well, for those who are listening, if you are in Addison uh, and, and you want to stop by, I'm sure Josh would happily unveil the beauty that is Clyde's Donuts for you and, <laughs> and show you how, how stuff is made. Um, it is a wonderful place to visit. Thank you, Josh, for being part of the podcast today. It's so great to see you again. And I hope we can work in a time where we can play around to golf sometime in the next uh, several months. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for letting us continue to tell our story and um, just share more about a fun product in front of an organization that you know, my family has been a part of for so many years. I'm very uh, blessed and thankful for all of that, too. Well, I hope for many more years to come. So thank okay. you for those who are listening. Thank you for listening to the Frontline Industry Podcast, and we will see you next time. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Unison. Put your best team everywhere by increasing frontline leadership consistency and engaging and empowering every employee everywhere and every day. Hey, listen, if you're a father, mother, uncle, aunt, employer of anybody who looks up to you, take them out for a donut this week. Build that relationship. And to help equip you to lead better, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and the platform of your choosing by clicking follow and any notification bells to get new episode alerts. Thanks again, as always, and I'll see you next time.